You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of thebarkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Reek of thebarkboard.com, and joining me is the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing today on this beautiful Saturday? I'm doing well. Uh, catching my breath a little bit from National Signing Day, even though it was a lot quieter than usual. Uh, but still, it's always a busy day, and um, I mean, even a, a few unknown things happen on signing day or the day there before, uh, but doing well and uh, just enjoying uh, the off season right now. Yeah, it was uh, the the whole early signing period really took the air out of uh, out of National Signing Day, didn't it? I mean, it just it, a majority of the team that was coming in in this class all signed early. So when you this this past week rolled around, it was kind of anticlimactic, wasn't it? Yeah, and you know we've seen, or at least from my experience, a lot of other Mountain West schools they had about a similar size class in December, but. You know, they were going for close to a full 25 scholarships, and they did have some fireworks on National Signing Day. But Fresno State, all they could use this year was those 15, and they had 14 already of them locked up in December. So, I mean, even if they wanted to, there wasn't a whole lot much more they could do. Yeah, and uh, and hence, you no, know, we're doing our podcast now. But we've had a little bit of a hiatus from the podcast. That's because, you know, Jackson and I, our full-time jobs kind of did took a little bit of a shift. But I think we're now back on track to kind of – Put out podcasts on a more regular basis, and Jackson, you've agreed to come on as as the co-host for the Red Wave. So moving forward, we'll we'll have more content coming out as as things progress, right, Jackson? Yeah, absolutely. And hopefully, we can kind of switch off between the Red Wave and our, our Insider podcast and and keep it rolling. Uh, uh, so we'll get a little quiet here between signing day and spring ball, but spring ball is really not that far away. It's just a month and. There's a lot to preview before then, and we'll be out there at practice covering all that. And I mean, it's a year-round thing, even if it doesn't feel like it for, for some people that just are there September to December. Even when it's quiet, it's still we're still working away trying to come up with anything we can find out there, even when it's really quiet. <laughs> it, it's hard for us, but we, we're always digging and seeing what we can come up with. Uh, to put up on the on the website and I, and I think Jackson has been really putting up content to kind of keep you guys going here in the in the last few uh, few weeks uh, of this dead period so called that we want to call it but uh, you know Jackson there you know it, it was a little anticlimactic but we're gonna go ahead and go over everyone who signed on to this 2018 class and you know it's uh it looks like there's a pretty good stock of players. And I don't know. Um, let's start off. Let's start off with Rodney Wright the third. I mean, he is, of course, he's a legacy. His dad played here at Fresno State, uh, and so kind of you know a head scratcher that it took so long to kind of put the offer out there to him. But what do you think about that pickup? Yeah, um, he was one you kind of had your eye on all for, for, like, for a while now. I mean, you know who Rodney Wright Jr. is, of course, a great bulldog receiver and. Uh, his son just seemed like he was kind of right at that edge. He didn't know if he was going to be kind of a Mountain West guy or someone you might see at, at UC Davis or Cal Poly kind of thing. And I mean, then he gets the offer that's about right in between the service, uh, oh, the service offer with Air Force, where you know a lot of recruits they don't really know if uh, they want to play that D1 football, but that's uh, it's a whole other commitment to go there. And frankly, Rodney's a really, uh, really nice kid, and sounds like someone that could just take on that responsibility, but. I think he was really happy to get the Fresno State offer. He came uh, on a visit, got the offer, and committed all pretty quickly there in December. Um, I really like what he brings to the table, especially when you kind of thought about Casimir Allen. I think there was a kind of a glimmer of hope there where Coach Tedford was really around to Larry Union a lot, and uh, Allen hadn't quite exploded yet, and you could see all the, the touchdowns he was scoring and all the crazy plays he was breaking off. And I think Rodney Wright, while certainly not the recruit that Casimir Allen is kind of brings that same role that Fresno state could use where you've got a guy that can take it from the backfield or go in there's a slot receiver position and he's going to be a threat. And I think another guy, uh, Chris Coleman from last year's class who had to redshirt with injury, uh, he does the same kind of thing as well. I think 
even though Casimir Allen didn't come to Fresno State, they've got two guys that can do uh, some of the same things at just a slightly different level. Yeah, so it's going to be a great uh, a great pickup there because not only not only he, he adds a little bit of a flash at that wide receiver position, but he's he's pretty good at special teams as well, from what I can understand. I got a chance to kind of see him uh, play uh, this past season, and he's also a threat every time he touches that ball on special teams. So you know he could very well you know slide himself into a kind of a position on special teams early if uh, given the opportunity. We'll move on into the next one, and that's at the quarterback position. We've got Stephen Comstock. And now, you know, Fresno State's still trying to kind of figure out who they need to pick up at that quarterback position. Now they're losing uh, Virgil, who is transferred out of the program. So that leaves an, an open spot, and here comes Stephen Comstock. Can he be that person to kind of fill that missing piece? What do you think, Jackson? Uh, the interesting thing on Comstock, just having the chance to talk to him quite a bit and running into him, uh, he's just he's very confident, and he's coming in here. Uh, at least I know before, um, McMarion had really locked himself as a starter. Comstock, uh, before he, McMarion was even here, Comstock had his eye on that starting job as a true freshman. Don't quite see that happening now, uh, the way last year played out, but uh, he's going to be fighting for it hard. Uh, Right now, uh, definitely Marcus McMarion returning as the starter, and Jorge Reina, who redshirted and will be a redshirt junior. Uh, I'm pretty sure he'll be the backup and start for another year after that. I think that's the likely way it plays out. But after that, it's a real big unknown. The Bulldogs have two walk-ons on the roster, and now they're welcoming in Comstock and also Ben Woldridge in this class. Uh, Two very different quarterbacks. Comstock is a lot more of an athlete who can – uh, do more on the run, whereas Woldridge is more of the pocket passer, pro-style type guy. And uh, they're going to definitely have to battle it out. Uh, Kyle uh, Lindquist, who's already on the roster, even though he's a walk-on, he's been pretty impressive. and He's got really the, the size you're looking for in a quarterback. So it's going to be between the three of them. I'm, Comstock, on paper, is the most impressive recruit by quite a distance, but... Uh, when you all get them here in fall camp and over practice the next couple of years, it can really shake out anyway. So you've got the edge going to Comstock over Wool- Woolridge, who's also coming in uh, on this recruiting class then. Yeah, but Comstock is where I would lean towards. Uh, he, he didn't have the best offer uh, coming from Oregon State, a Pac-12 school, and he had a few different offers as well that were comparable to Fresno State, and the Bulldogs had to win him over. Uh, Woldridge was he got his first offer from Fresno State and he jumped on it and these guys were both what they got him in June uh, so that their recruitment could have grown a little bit more had they not committed but uh, Coach Tedford got them both in his camp I, I was at that camp at uh, the practice field at outside of Bulldog Stadium and they really got to kind of break them down study them see what they would do in person and liked them both and offered them both and even with the small class, they took the both of the quarterbacks, which I wasn't sure if it would uh, hold up from June to, to December, but it did, and uh, they liked what they got with both of them. Yeah, and so in another late pickup that came uh, towards the end of the recruiting class, uh, well, right right before the early signing day, Ricardo Arias. About the same time that Rodney Wright committed, uh, Ricardo Arias also committed. And wh- what do you think about that one? Yeah, Arias... Um, so he was at McLean, and as a sophomore, just had a monster season. And not a lot of coaches are going out to McLean to find talent. And uh, Arias was getting on the radar. Then he goes as a junior. Uh, they asked him to do some other things, play some quarterback, and doesn't really put up the numbers or film that he was ex- expecting to have. A little bit of a uh, hurt to the confidence, uh, in a sense. Then he goes to Clovis West, and Unfortunately, he doesn't get to play with uh, Adrian Martinez, who they probably would have really lit it up. Um, but, I mean, Corvus West was still a really good team, and he had a, a definitely serviceable quarterback this past year. Uh, at six foot two, I believe the signing sheet had him at 225, so he's going to be a, a bigger receiver for the Bulldogs. Um, I really liked him when he committed, and he looked like a guy that could have gone Pac-12 or better. I know those types of schools were on him. Uh, he was a little more quiet about his recruitment, but uh, when you look at the receiver class as a whole, maybe he's the guy that redshirts because uh, Moria Edwards uh, is probably the best kid of this class in my mind. And then Fresno State just added Austin Alexander right on signing day, who is a six foot five, uh, 
just a monster uh, talent. And uh, he's got a chance to play right away, too, I'm thinking. So uh, Arias, I really like down the road. I don't know how much we'll see him uh, within the next couple of years, though. Yeah, I, I mean, Arias, he, I think he's going to be kind of buried on the depth chart uh, coming in. Uh, there's still way too much talent on the wide receiver position that I don't know if he's going to break that that starting lineup anytime soon. But he is a good size wide receiver, so you, you could, you know, you can argue the fact that he might be needed as a possession receiver earlier than than later. So we'll see what happens with that one. Um, but moving on, we've got at the defensive line coming in is Matt Keljard. I, I hope I pronounced that right. I always murder names, but Matt Kilgard probably better. Um, yeah, I think that's it. Uh, out of Oakdale, California, and six foot three, two seventy five. What do you make of that one, Jackson? Yeah, Matt is an interesting one. He's the only one out of the class I haven't had a chance to talk to personally, or that the site hasn't at least. And I've got his number finally, so that's going to come to the site soon. Uh, but I found all I needed to know about Matt in early December when I'm down on the blue turf at the Mountain West Championship game, and I look at the crowd, and there he is. I mean, what recruit <laughs> travels across the country? I mean, you see him at the home games, of course. They're trying to see what their future is going to be like, especially if uh, they're California natives. But, I mean, man, he and him and his, I believe it was his dad. That's my assumption. They traveled all the way to Boise. They were right there. They had really nice seats, too, uh, right there with the red wave and cheering them on. And I, I snapped a picture of that, made sure it was on the boards. Uh, that was impressive. That's not something you see very often. And, I just knew right then and there he he was going to be a bulldog for life, and <laughs> there was no question about signing big coming up in December for him. Uh, not only that, on paper he's a really good recruit. Uh, a three-star defensive lineman is tough for Mountain West schools to come by, and the Bulldogs got him early too. Uh, someone they were, they were recruiting uh, hard for a while, and uh, they got him in the summer as well. So I, I liked him. That was definitely a need. Uh, losing all four starting defensive linemen, at least for the majority of the season last year. Uh, they really needed to get reinforcements on the D-line, and guys that it's a, it's a tough position to come in right away, but uh, if you get a three-star guy, there's that potential they might be able to pull it off. And uh, Matt is just one of two three-star defensive tackles that may be able to do that. Yeah, and that's a, and that's a position that the Bulldogs were really making sure that they try to reload was that defensive line. And I think this recruiting class, they did a hell of a job. They've got a number of defensive linemen. Um, but we'll move on to let's move on to the next defensive lineman. There's a Leonard Payne who's coming in out of Downey, California, and he's also six foot three, two hundred and sixty pounds. And what do you know about him? Yeah, Leonard. Uh, he almost seems like he has more of a a defensive tackle side. I mean, yeah, him and, and Matt Kilgard are pretty similar frames, at least on paper, but uh, it looks like they're going to put Leonard at a defensive end. Um, we saw this past year uh, kind of a mix, what they like at defensive end. You've got kind of bigger, stockier guys that uh, can do some damage, maybe like uh, Robert Stanley, who, of course, at the defensive end position this past year. And then you've got more of the faster edge rushers, like uh, Emeka Endo, who came in as a junior college transfer. He's you know, not the most impressive guy when you stand up next to him, but uh, he dominates at defensive end. He's a, a solid player. So Payne, I think they're going to look for more of that, that bigger athletic looking guy. And um, he may be a little more of a project. He, he's the lowest rated recruit, I believe, of the class by 24-7 sports. But just a weird story. He was at a high school that just reinstated its football program and didn't get a whole lot of looks and, uh, he was. He started his recruitment process pretty early, but I think grades may have been a question. It looks like he's in good shape, and if that was the case, the Bulldogs may have gotten a real steal uh, by taking the chance on him. Definitely. I mean, uh, with that size, you can't really pass up that size. And if he even has a glimmer of talent at the at anywhere on the defensive line, that's something the Bulldogs are going to jump on, especially if no one else is paying attention uh, on his recruiting status. Uh, but um, Moving on, we'll go to the next one, and it's uh, local uh, defensive back Deshaun Ruffin from Sunnyside uh, here in Fresno, and uh, he looks like he could be a, a baller coming here in, uh, sometime in the future, uh, couldn't he, Jackson? Yeah, I believe Ruffin and King, uh, Sherwin King, linebacker also in this class, from also from Sunnyside, were both at that camp that I was mentioning earlier where 
Fresno State got to host basically whoever would come and learn from them and, and to get to see him up close and personal. Uh, Ruffin did have a Nevada offer before the Bulldogs, and after that camp, uh, the Bulldogs went ahead and offered both Ruffin and King and got them both uh, pretty shortly thereafter. Uh, would tell me Ruffin was probably a little was a little higher on the uh, recruiting board at the time since he already had an offer before the Bulldogs, but um, I think it's a good position for Fresno State. I think Ruffin has a lot of upside, but they don't have to go to him right away. Uh, the Bulldogs only lose the one corner from last year, Johnny Johnson, who already kind of lost his spot at the end of the year. And uh, the Bulldogs aren't looking to plug anyone in that corner. Uh, Deshaun's a local kid who can definitely uh, learn from Coach J.D. Williams over his first year. Probably won't need to be thrown out on the field. And uh, by the time the Bulldogs are looking for a starter, he may be ready to take over that spot. Yeah, and then you also mentioned Sherwin King, his teammate. And so tell us a little bit more about what Sherwin can bring to the table. Yeah, Sherwin, uh, they thought he was going to be a, a safety, and it looks like uh, Fresno State had no doubt about it. They wanted him as a linebacker. Coach Burt Watts got on him early. Uh, a few different linebackers uh, throughout the Valley, but King was the first one that they went after, and they got him. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he kind of translates to that position. I know he's basically all over the field for Sunnyside. Um uh, There, too, I, I will definitely will be keeping my eye on because I don't think Sunnyside had the greatest season, or at least early on, they, they dropped a couple of games that they didn't expect, but yeah. uh, not quite the roster uh, that, you know, it's not a bunch of Kings and Ruffins uh, at Sunnyside, and for those two to stand out and uh, have a college future, and they've been really all on board on social media with Fresno State, and that's great to see as local kids that uh, you really want to cheer them on and, and see how they're doing uh, as Bulldogs later down the road. Now, there's been a good influx of, uh, of Valley kids who have made the jump to come over to Fresno State. So that's, uh, you know, it, it, it's good for the program that uh, some of this local talent is finally starting to kind of, you know, make give Fresno State a second look. I mean, a lot of people always like to say that Fresno State overlooks them. It, you know, yes, that is true in certain spots, but other spots, Fresno goes to them and the kids still leave. And Fresno just needs to change that kind of outlook that what they're doing here uh, in the Valley. And it looks like it's starting to pay off. Moving on to the next one is another local town out of Modesto. And that's Isaiah Johnson, another defensive lineman. And he's at 6'3", 215 pounds as well. Jackson, you know, another six foot guy, six foot plus guy. Does that bode well for for Fresno State and their recruiting on, on the defensive line there? Yeah, Johnson is by uh, 24-7's composite ranking the best recruit of the entire class. And uh, you can probably uh, pin that down partially because he was going to be headed to UCLA. And if kids that have UCLA options, usually uh, Fresno State has a hard time of bringing them in. Uh, when UCLA had a coaching change, Isaiah Johnson, whether it was him or the new staff, they, they went, wanted to go in a different direction and... Uh, late in the game, Johnson had the Fresno State option, and he went with it. Uh, he was kind of rushed a little bit, maybe more than other recruits, because he wanted to early enroll. He was ready to, to get to college ball and, and try and take a depth chart somewhere. So he's already at Fresno State right now, ready to, to get ready for the spring and uh, try and get a leg up on any of the other incoming recruits before the fall comes. But, uh, I mean, he's the top-rated guy for a reason. Uh, very talented, athletic, versatile. He played uh, linebacker, defensive back, receiver, and you can put him just about anywhere. Uh, he's going to be more of a defensive end hybrid for the Bulldogs, probably more of an edge rusher, but also someone that can drop back in the coverage when needed. Uh, definitely a kind of a guy, maybe James Bailey, you think of when he came in a few years back, that he basically developed right where the Bulldogs thought he would, and uh, Johnson may be able to fill a similar similar role as well. Yeah, and that's a, it, it's a good thing for the Bulldogs that they're starting to pick up some of these defensive linemen because I thought that was going to probably be the thinnest position on the team, wasn't it, Jackson? Probably defensive line was it where they were going to need the most help. Yeah, you look at last year's starting defensive line, at least uh, up until the last few games, had Nate Madsen, Robert Stanley, uh, Malik Forrester, and... Um, uh, Tabeno Okeke, all four seniors. And <laughs> yeah. uh, earlier in the year, the Bulldogs did do a lot of shuffling. They'd bring in that second team defensive line almost by the third possession. You'd see four guys trade in. And they were doing a lot of different 
substitutions, but by the end of the year, uh, they really locked in on the four guys they liked. And uh, even though Nate Madsen ultimately lost his starting spot and then got hurt, he was still pretty active. But um, the fact that they weren't subbing as much anymore, it makes you a little concerned. The, the guys that lost some of those snaps are the guys that you need to start next year. Uh, so hopefully some of the influx of talent might be able to help uh, kind of bridge the gap a little bit. Isaiah Johnson is probably your best bet to do some of that early as a true freshman since he's going to be here in the spring and is so talented. Uh, you wonder if maybe the Bulldogs have an extra scholarship for a grad transfer, someone that can come in and, and maybe make more of an impact than the true freshman just because defensive line is hard. Uh, but the guys that they did get are quality recruits and uh, potential guys to be developed within a, a couple of years for sure. Yeah, so it's a, it's going to be a good thing. Uh, hopefully some of these guys will kind of help fill those gaps that they're going to have this uh, upcoming season and, uh, you know, just fit right in. So we'll see what happens uh, as spring ball starts to hit. We'll kind of get an idea uh, if any of these guys are going to have a shot at coming in later uh, to to crack the starting lineup at any position, uh, but moving on, another one of the probably the second best player out of the whole recruiting class since uh, uh, Isaiah Johnson took that that role. It's uh, Amorie Edwards, and now he's a barkboard favorite, and he he's always everywhere. <laughs> it seems like anywhere I go, I always run into this kid. Um, and uh, he's out of Tulare, California, and it's Amorie Edwards. And w- what do you have to say about him? I mean, other than sure, spectacular type of a player there. Yeah. Um, even though Isaiah Johnson was the top guy by the rankings, I, I think Edwards was the best job of the class as far as recruiting goes. Um, everything about him was the prototypical Valley All-Star heading out of town. Uh, except for him person personally, because you get to know him and you know that you know family's a big deal, and uh, he was really happy to stay home. But it did take a coaching staff that was willing to to press him and and uh, really show him the love to to make that happen. I don't think he would have been staying if it weren't for Coach Tedford and his staff. Uh, really, before the season started, Edwards was the prize recruit over there. Casimir uh, Allen really stole the show uh, late in the fall, but uh, Edwards is a big time talent. Um, I think he's a guy that they could maybe use right away, even though the receiver position is, is pretty stacked right now. Uh, I really like his uh, ability to come in right away and play, or whether it's a few years down the road, I think he's going to make an impact one way or another. He's just a, a real big talent. One of the few guys that were really spotted out really early in the recruiting class where as you know, he had all the offers before Fresno State was really on him hard. Uh, Duke, Washington State, Oregon State were all on him. And uh, the Bulldogs were able to, to still get him pretty early. But um, as far as being on the radar, uh, Edwards was number one in, in this class of, of having the options and, and being recognized by schools all over the place. Now, he's, uh, he's, he's a very personable guy. I mean... He's he's not shy. He will tell you exactly what he's thinking uh, about what, anything you ask him, and I kind of love that about him. He's uh, he'll he'll you know he'll tell it like it is. But I I got a chance to kind of see him in person down in Tulare, uh, covering those games a couple of times. And not only is he a great wide receiver with great hands, great balance, but he's also a threat on special teams as well. So he could be another one of those candidates uh, for special team duty early on. Um, so, you know, it's one of those that we kind of have to kind of keep an eye on just to see if he might be able to, to steal a spot on special teams to get his career started uh, coming into the next season here. Um, but moving on to the next one, we've got another defensive lineman and that's Matt Lawson. Uh, out of Ontario, California, and he comes in at six foot, three hundred and ten pounds. Well, probably one of the bigger, uh, as far as weight wise, coming in into this class uh, to kind of anchor that line. Do you think he might be able to kind of crack that starting uh, lineup there, Jackson? Yeah, well, it, it feels like, at least in my mind, um, this past season you had Malik Forrester at one tackle spot, and then Nate Matson at the other spot. And uh, he ultimately got taken by Kevin Atkins, but you had you know the big bowling ball Malik Forrester, and then you had the big six foot three kind of defensive tackle next to him, and that's what I see with Matt Lawson and Matt Kilgard. Kilgard is basically 
the same frame as Nate Madsen, and Lawson is more of your Forrester guy. And uh, that's why I might give more of an edge to Lawson, just because the Bulldogs do need to replace Forrester, while uh, Kevin Atkins is already pretty much locked in at other tackle spots. So there may be more of a need to get Lawson on the field a little bit more. Uh, a lot of comments I've noticed about uh, him having a, a baby face, but he's a, a pretty vicious kind of guy on the field. And uh, Brandon Huffman described him as a brick house type body. Uh, so he's he's a guy that could be a Malik Forster down the road after getting in with the, the strength and conditioning staff and and uh, putting it all together. Yeah, from what I can tell, he is a big bowling ball. I mean. Uh, more, more like a wrecking ball probably is a, is a better term. Uh, he, he, he's got that big body that takes up a lot of room and, uh, just might be what the dogs will be looking for this upcoming season to, to replace the, you know, the, the departure there, because that is a big, big body that it left. And now here comes Matt Lawson to kind of fill that void and, by all means, that's a big void right there. <laughs> so, and he'll fit it just right. Uh, uh, but moving on, one more thing on, oh, on yep. Lawson, if I can. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the recruits, especially the ones they got early, they, the Bulldogs basically just identified, went after, and got. It didn't seem like there was a whole lot of head-to-head action. They really uh, convinced kids to come to Fresno State. But Lawson was one that had several Mountain West schools on them. Uh, from Hawaii to San Jose State, UNLV, San Diego State, all it offered. Arizona State was in the picture at one point. I mean, this was one that Lawson had to look at all his options and pick the best one, and Fresno State won out, where uh, the, the Bulldogs did do a good job of not having to be in that position too much, but this was one they went after, and they won out. So that was impressive with Lawson as well. Yeah, I know this was one that they were, again, kind of nervous on that the, he might uh, jump ship somewhere else, but... Uh you know they stayed on him and stayed consistent, and ultimately Matt Lawson chose the the Bulldogs and came over this direction. So it's good to see that the the coaching staff did uh, did what they could to kind of convince him to stay here. So, but you know, moving on, uh, the next one. This is a name that popped up last season and is back again this season, and it's Clive Truchell. Uh He was originally out of Clovis West, I believe. Then was he on the team, or where did he go? Uh, I kind of lost track of him, but now he's back again this season. What's what's the scoop on on that one, Jackson? Yes, yeah, so uh, you know, Clive, I haven't talked to in a little while, but I got to uh, cross paths with him quite a few times. Uh, so as a junior, I believe it was, or it might have been before that, he was diagnosed with a spinal infection and uh, was sidelined. Of course, he had a, a lot of recovery to do uh, to get over that. Uh, he came back as a senior, I believe, but was just um, little, not quite college-ready uh, after going through all that. Um, as soon as Coach Tedford got to Fresno State, uh, Pat Hill gave him a call and said, hey, <laughs> check out Clive Truchelle as a special type of athlete that uh, could really turn into something for you. And they got him to commit in last year's class, but because he was uh, behind, they had him delay enrollment in gray shirt. So he's been a Fresno State student this past uh, fall, but he wasn't allowed to participate in any of the uh, program or practice or anything like that. So now he's officially a part of the class. He's a really bright student, was a huge, uh, a really high GPA, and, and was uh, up for uh, I can't remember the award, but I talked to him uh, about it at the time, uh, kind of recognizing academic uh, achievement and overcoming uh, adversity. You only get one nominee, I think, from each Clovis Unified School, and Clive was the nominee from Clovis West. So, I mean, you think about all of those tools, that's exactly what you want as a center in your program, and that's what they're recruiting him for. Um, I think he could really become the replacement for Aaron Mitchell within a few years. Uh, probably not right off the bat, but there's going to be a, an opening there this fall and probably the next fall as well because uh, the backup from last year, Marcus Boyer, only has one year of eligibility left. Um, so I think that we're glad they could delay that enrollment and get him physically ready because they may be counting on him sooner rather than later. Yeah, another one of the kind of the the spots they're going to need a little bit more depth at is going to be that offensive line, um, and he might be one of those that might get a chance earlier rather than later uh, to to make a difference. And uh, but you know, continuing with the theme, we've got another offensive lineman. 
Nick Abs, and he's coming out of uh, he's a JUCO transfer, right? Uh, as far as I can tell, but he's coming in at six foot six, two hundred and ninety pounds from Fresno City. Right. <laughs> yeah, um, so he's the only JUCO in this whole class, and uh, it's interesting. Even though he is uh, right down the road as a recruit, he's originally from Oregon, and um, yeah, I, I found some interesting things out when I interviewed him and stuff that's been on the premium board for a long time. Uh, he was pretty much, you know, discouraged by the end of his senior year of high school. He didn't really get recruited much and just kind of figured football was over. And uh, he, uh, I believe he said his girlfriend had a connection to Fresno City where he ended up going out there and trying football and uh, really flourished, obviously. Um, the other interesting thing, uh, Coach Tedford, as soon as he came in last year, gave a call to Nick Abs and really wanted to recruit him and bring him in as a Bulldog, but uh, Abs wasn't a qualifier yet. He had to finish up his degree at Fresno City, uh, so he couldn't come to Fresno State even if he wanted to. Uh, then he gets a few other offers down the road. I believe Colorado State and San Jose State both offered, but uh, the Bulldogs were able to win out and keep him. And we haven't talked a whole lot about, um, I mean, we've talked about the possibility, but very few guys you think that come right in away and start or even get much of a role as true freshmen with so much coming back from last year's team. But Nick Abs is the one guy that definitely recruited to fill a gap. Uh, losing David Patterson at tackle, uh, they're going to have to have some competition to replace that. And Abs is coming right in to compete for that spot. The coach Grubb is also very high on Cyrus Tuitelli, who uh, played as a true freshman in a reserve role. So uh, those would be my two front runners to win that spot, and having a JUCO guy like Abs gives you a little more insurance that uh, you're not going to be in a big hole if uh, a guy a sophomore like Tuatelli doesn't work out for you. Well, and you got to think Tuatelli's going to going to going to work out. The the kid is a monster, isn't he? Isn't he the strongest player on the team? From what I hear, isn't it Tui? Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, well, Natanya Muti has got that. Oh, it's that Muti. One, but, I get those uh, mixed up yeah. sometimes. <laughs> uh, but Tui Telly is also he's also a six six three hundred type guy, and I mean I, I think he, he could definitely fill in next year. But if you're a Fresno State, you just want to have that competition and make sure you have the best guy possible. Is uh, I mean they only have two holes to fill in the offensive line, and if they do that, you figure the offense is just going to keep rolling even better than last year. And and you know it. Hopefully that'll be the case, and give give the quarterback some time to kind of kind of uh, figure things out there. And, you know, I mean, McMarion's dangerous if he has time in the pocket. Uh, he proved that this past season. So you know, if we can get an offensive line in there to kind of kind of protect him, he should have he should have plenty of time to to make some damage. But the next player on the list is another offensive lineman, and Elijah Carson out of San Diego. And he comes in at six foot eight, two hundred and ninety pounds. Another big body at that offensive line. I don't know, Jackson. They're bringing in some beef this season. Uh, yeah, he's the biggest, and uh, it's not too much of a surprise when you look at Coach Grubb's offensive line at uh, Eastern Michigan, and even the tight end position. There were some some six eight, six nine kind of guys there. Uh, something that he likes at the tackle position, and uh, Carson was one of the Bulldogs, maybe. Uh, they probably lucked out at it in a way um, because he did uh, break his femur in his first game his senior year, and that will usually wipe you off the recruiting radar. Um, he kind of popped out of, out of nowhere when he did commit and sign in December, uh, getting a chance to talk to him. I did find out he had an Oregon offer, among others. I uh, really had some impressive uh, schools that were on him. I also asked if the six foot eight was legit, and he said no. He's actually six foot nine. <laughs> so there, there is that to work with. One uh, more we'll inch. See if he grows anymore by the time he's a bulldog. Um, but I mean, that it, it was on paper. It was like a project recruit because he is two star. But you learn the story a little bit more, and he may be a real steal. Uh, it's just a matter of him being physically ready, uh, getting a chance to just be healthy and get out there because he may still need to do some rehabbing by the time he gets here in the fall. Um, but that's just size you can't teach and. There's a lot of upside for him to, to do something. And it was all so interesting just talking to him. He's, uh, I mean, he wants to go into computer sciences. He loves video games and uh, that kind of thing. Uh, just uh, an interesting guy. And it kind of reminded me of Terrell Carter on the basketball team. He's a, a real character. He kind of, I got those same kind of qualities talking to him. 
you know, the, it, there's a lot of big guys coming in at the at the defensive line and offensive line. I mean, uh, not to mention one, you got Dante Bull who came in last season. He's a big body as well, and might just kind of get some more looks at him as well this season, right, Jackson? Dante Bull, I don't know. He, he You took a, yeah. a, a very candid photo of him during the season, and <laughs> he's he's he, he looks like he's going to be a character for that team. Yeah, he, he's. Uh, you can tell he, he likes to enjoy himself on the football field. Um, he got in just a, during the beginning of the football season, was never going to get a chance to, to play right away coming in that late, but uh, dealing with some uh, clearinghouse issues coming from Canada, but he did come in, got right into the strength and conditioning program, and it's going to be in a lot better shape to, to see what he's made out of in the spring. And then another Canadian recruit, uh, Mark David, being names, uh, he's I believe six foot five or so, and he's like three hundred and sixty legit pounds, where he can move <laughs> at that size. That's going to be they crazy. Not ask him to to slim down if uh, for Coach Grubb, it's more about um, body fat content. Uh, they've got all, uh, some pretty complicated stuff. When I was talking to him with the strength and conditioning program, and uh, just a simple matter is they don't necessarily require all their guys to slim down. If if they can move and are efficient at their size, uh, they'll go with it. Yeah, I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, kind of a thing. <laughs> Those guys definitely mm-hmm. have the size, and uh, we'll see what happens uh, with them as they progress. Last player I have on my list here is is Sean Dorso, a defensive back out of Paris, California, six foot, uh, one hundred and seventy five pounds. And what do you know about him? Yeah, so he's the only one that actually signed here on Wednesday. Um, so Fresno State originally had fifteen signees in December. Uh, Shamar Weston was one of them who we didn't talk about because he's not a part of the class anymore. He got let go out of his letter of intent and. Looks like a situation where he's going to have to go the junior college route. But Fresno State had already offered Dorsell in December, and they had that scholarship open up, and they really put the press on him after that in January. Uh, Coach J.B. Williams had actually been on him for quite some time, uh, not quite putting the trigger on the offer, but um, Dorsell didn't have a whole lot of recruiting interest. As in a smaller school or area of Paris, California, that doesn't get recruited quite as much, but uh, we'll put out one or two major talents every once in a while. Mike Bell comes from there, uh, the Bulldogs starting safety. Uh, Bell was a senior when Dorso was a freshman, so they're a little bit familiar. Now, Dorso as a senior, had 13 interceptions, which uh, will make your eyes pop. <laughs> That's an impressive number. Yeah. But still, their, recruits, their recruitment never really came. They had a few FCS schools stop by, but uh, New Mexico did come into the picture after Fresno State, but he was already with the Bulldogs by that time, and uh, a guy that they want to put at safety, uh, he'll be backing up Mike Bell, probably at the same position there, and um, the, the Bulldogs are set at safety for a while now with Juju Hughes and Mike Bell only being juniors next year, but they really do need to start developing the replacements there, and Dorso, you don't get 32, 13 interceptions by accident. Uh, he's got good ball uh, hawking abilities, and uh, they're going to be able to have Coach J.D. Williams teaching the rest. Now, it should be this should be a very interesting class coming in. I, it's probably, I think it's a pretty dang good class that's coming in. Uh, well rounded. Uh, they addressed a lot of needs uh, in this in this class. So. Only time will tell to see if if the, any of these guys will even kind of uh, compete for a starting spot. Now, did I miss anybody on this uh, on this class at all? Uh, I'm going off of what it's showing here on the Fresno State website as far as all the players that came in, but I think I got all of them, didn't I, Jackson? Right. Well, you got all of the ones that signed, but it is a small number, and there's a reason. Uh, the Bulldogs had to use up ten of their twenty five spots to bring in players late. Uh, Guys like, I mean, Marcus McMarion even. They brought in a lot of late recruits in August. Uh, KTI Copo, who played at defensive lineman, who we've talked about in the past. Uh, all those things kind of added up, and they didn't have a lot of room in this class. But they have worked it around where they're going to bring in quite a few more players who are committed to Fresno State but aren't officially on that signing day list. Um, so I've got a few names here, if you want me to just go down the line. Um Fresno State is bringing in, well, I'll start off with uh, 
on National Signing Day, the, the surprise of the day, Austin Alexander, uh, who is a three-star recruit and is stands at six foot five as a receiver, a uh, guy we didn't really know a whole lot about, but it turns out his older brother is Lorenzo Alexander, a pro bowler for the Buffalo Bills, played for Coach Tedford at Cal. And Austin, uh, his younger brother, spent the last year at the prep school kind of learning the game a little bit better, uh, working out with Randall Cobb and guys like that in the offseason, getting the connections with his brother. And, uh, man, he's ready to come in and compete right away, and I wouldn't be surprised at six foot five. I think they'll have a role for him one way or another. Uh, right before signing day, they picked up Alexander Dumas, I believe you pronounce it, out of Canada, another Canadian connect. Yeah. Uh, six foot four, 250 defensive end. I think he puts that defensive line class over the top uh, because he uh, was probably under-recruited. Being in Canada, of course, he came to Southern California to try to get some exposure, but uh, came down to Fresno State, Hawaii, San Diego State, and he chose to be a Bulldog. Um, he uh, was considered one of the top sleepers by 24-7 sports in the group of five uh, class, and I think there's a lot of upside with him. Um Meanwhile, you have uh, two guys that have been committed for quite some time. Uh, Bryce Parker is a six foot four guy who played receiver at Upland High School, but they won him as a tight end. And so uh, the previous three guys were all expecting to be in here for fall to play right away, uh, at least be a part of practice and compete. Uh, the last guy, Khalifi Leotoa, is a, a three star linebacker who committed quite a while ago, too, but it looks like he's got a gray shirt, uh, so he won't be around until 2019. Yeah, it looks like there's a, a lot of little hidden gems there that are coming in uh, under the radar, uh, not on signing day, but, you know, still have that uh, that potential. But uh, I don't know, Jackson, if they keep bringing in Canadians, we might have to learn how to, you know, speak in French because these names are going to start getting a little bit tougher for us to pronounce. And, and me being notoriously the name murderer of, of all these podcasts – it's going to be hard for me. I mean, I have a hard time with some of these <laughs> names as it is. Uh, but uh, Dante is. You talk to Dante Bull, and he's kind of the more of the stereotypical the the A and stuff uh, when you when you talk to him. But uh, Dumois and Mark David are definitely more from uh, French Canada. And, uh, just talked to Alexander a few days ago. And, uh, I mean, both of those guys. I know for Mark David, English isn't his first language. It might be the case with Alexander too, but. Uh, definitely know it well enough to get by at Fresno State. Yeah, that's going to be interesting how how they they mesh with the uh, with uh, their language and the little bit of a language barrier. And you know, hopefully they'll they'll be able to improve. And uh, <laughs> once we get a, our crack, a crack at interviewing them, we'll we'll see just how <laughs> how French they are uh, with their uh, accent and everything. So we'll see what happens once we get to that point. But Jackson, before we get off. I wanted to kind of kind of kind of break down what happened last season. I mean, basically last season came out of nowhere for for a lot of us. Uh you and I included. We had them finishing just over 500. Uh we had no clue that they were going to run the table, almost win a Mountain West title, get to a bowl game, let alone win it. You know, what do you think, Jackson? Was it kind of a fluke or was it something that they they can really build on this well it wasn't just what they did it was the manner they did it that makes me for sure think it wasn't a fluke i mean they start off conference play they blow out nevada they basically blow out san jose state they definitely blow out new mexico then they go to san diego state and they blew them out so they're 4-0 <laughs> just demolishing everyone uh unlv was a surprise and then the schedule got a little bit tougher they they had a, a close one with byu I uh, went to Hawaii. They got that one taken care of. Uh, had a little bit of a nail-biter at Wyoming. but really proved themselves at home against Boise State, and even on the road at Boise State. Uh, nearly had that game to win the championship. Uh, and then the bowl game, Houston is a, a pretty solid program uh, to be taken out. Um, in my mind, the Bulldogs, oh, there were no... I don't want to use the word proof again, but they, they didn't get lucky <laughs> in any of those wins. They earned them all. Uh, there wasn't a game where you say, man, they that one play or else they would have lost that. In fact, uh, the opposite. There was two games, the UNLV game and the Mountain West Championship, where a couple of plays could have made the season 12-2 and two instead of 10-4. and four. 
and that gives me a lot of hope for next year, uh, especially you take Alabama and Washington off the schedule. Uh, there's no one on next year's schedule who the Bulldogs aren't going to have a chance against. Uh, for them to run the table would be a really tall task, but uh, at least you don't have to worry about that. Those, those big-name schools that you're just not going to have a shot against. Now, you know, there's going to be – there's always those critics that are going to say, you know, Tedford came in. These aren't his guys. He did it with someone else's guys. But I, I kind of want to point out the guy before him couldn't do it with these guys, but Tedford did. So <laughs> there's a difference there, right, Jackson? Yeah, and uh, even so, the good news is that most of those same guys are coming back for next year. <laughs> As we mentioned, defensive line is really the only spot they've got to uh, shore up. Um two offensive linemen lost and one receiver, um, Damari Scott, uh, that's all they're losing from the starting lineup. And that's crazy to think about. You just have to imagine they're going to be just as good, if not better, if they uh, take care of the defensive line. Um, and uh, again, I would probably look more at when Coach Ruder first came in in 2012. I mean, that was a pretty impressive year, but it was building towards 2013 and they had the same situation where they brought just about everyone back from the previous year. And, uh, I look at 2017 as a building block, even if it was 10 and four, I think there's still room for them to improve and, and be even better. Now the McMarion thing, uh, he came in late, uh, into the, into the season. Do you kind of, do you kind of see something like that similar happening this season where Fresno state might surprise us and bring in some late, guys who weren't even on the radar that maybe be transferring from other schools. Uh, do you think there's might be some of that magic again this upcoming season? I would say there's a spot or two for them to make that happen. Um, they're, they're totally full as far as their recruiting goes, but there's some workarounds to, to try and offset that because they do have scholarships from the, the full pool. Uh, my guess would be if it happens, it would probably be a grad transfer on the D-line. Um, that's definitely where you would think someone would be able to make an immediate impact with all the players that they lost last year. Um, I think they're going to take a look at the spring and just see where their needs are. And I don't foresee them having any big issues besides that. Um, So that would be my guess. I don't think they really need to fill any other position. Uh, Again, looking at the recruiting class, they only took the one junior college player at offensive tackle. And uh, other than that, they were uh, pretty content to just get a lot of high school players that they can develop over a while. And I completely agree. I mean, it's going to be uh, one of those uh, one of those seasons that if somebody does come in, it's probably going to be a grad transfer uh, and someone that you know no one even thought of. Uh, it, it seems to happen that way every time. The only thing I can hope for is it's not another quarterback again. Because I think that's happened, what, four four years in a row? A quarterback has come in as a grad transfer uh, in some capacity. So I'm kind of like, you know what? Let's let's get something at a different position <laughs> next time. But uh, that being said, Jackson, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. You got any final things you want to say? What's coming up with the bark board? Anything uh, for people to kind of keep an eye on? I uh, just wanted to mention, as far as all the recruits we talked about, um, I've got a... a full-length audio interview and Q&A with just about all of them and the ones that aren't up yet, we're going to knock out in the next week. Um, So if you want to hear more from them personally or get to know them a little bit more, uh, the premium board is definitely the place to find that at. Um, We've been covering that recruiting scene all season long, and uh, most people were used to coming around January and getting all the scoop, and it it already happened in November and December. (laughs) this year yeah uh, so may want to readjust the, the calendar for this upcoming year <laughs> yep uh, also we'll definitely be, be hitting up 2019 earlier and kind of adjusting our schedule as well a little bit more to reflect that but um right now uh, looking at this recruiting class looking towards 2019 getting ready for spring uh, of course basketball is getting down to the final stretch right now so there's still a lot going on uh probably spring football will be the big hitter where uh, they're going to be starting in mid-March. Uh, they're going to go through April, and we'll get a good chance to see uh, how the team's developing and uh, who's winning the few position battles that are out there. Yeah, and Jackson and I will be trying to hit up uh, as much of spring as we can as long as they're there, as long as they'll let us in there, right, Jackson? As long as they, <laughs> they allow us to go inside. I mean, uh, there's been times where they kick us out, but we'll, we'll do what we can to get as much coverage as we can as we're there uh, to bring it to you uh to the bark board 
Um, and then not to mention, you know, we're going to keep trying to, you know, put these shows together on a more consistent basis. And, uh, we're going to fire up the, the Barkboard Insider uh, podcast as well, uh, for our premium subscribers to give them a little more inside, uh, scoop on what things are going. So this podcast is more, I guess, you know, I don't want to say it, but it's more the vanilla type of podcast where we're going to give you something. But we're not going to give you all of it. So, <laughs> if you want, right. if you want the full scoop, uh, usually that goes to our premium subscribers first, way in advance, uh, and then eventually it does trickle over. But it's going to be way down the line, um, and probably other news outlets will probably report it long after we've already reported. So we do what we can to try to get that information out to our premium subscribers first. So that being said, Jackson. Why don't you go ahead and let people know how they can get a hold of you uh, if they want to kind of reach out to you? Yes. Uh, well, probably the best way if you're uh, on the bark board, whether you're a premium or not, uh, if you can send me a, a personal message, uh, that's probably where I am most active and we'll see it first. Uh, if you're on social media, you can get me on Twitter. It's Jackson Moore 24 7 is my handle. Or you can just go to Barkboard as our uh, uh, Twitter handle for the site. And on Facebook, we've got a pretty good following. Uh, you can find us there. Uh, search that Barkboard, and you'll get us there. Uh, we're on Instagram as well, Barkboard underscore com. So we're all over the place. Um, and you can find Lucio at Red Wave Report. That's right. If you want to find me at Red Wave Report on Twitter, uh, and I'm on the boards. Uh, you see me on the boards as Merlin877. So uh, I've asked Jackson, Jackson to try to change that for me, but I think it's kind of stuck. So if uh, you want to reach me on the boards, Merlin877. That being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us. And uh, you know, keep coming back as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics. And we'll see you again next time.